There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, then you know this program is all about helping people create more meaningful and productive personal and work lives and equipping leaders inside organizations to cultivate meaning and purpose that elicits passion, inspired contribution, innovation, and persevering performance. I talk with my guests to draw on their expertise and share my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. Every week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something you can immediately put to use in your life and that you come alive with the possibility of living with passion, working on purpose, and are inspired to discover for yourself just how big and fulfilling your life, work, and leadership can be. And if you do catch fire from anything you hear, reach out and tell me about it. Email me at elise at elisecortez.com or use the contact me feature on my website to message me and tell me how I can help. Whether you want to join the distribution list to stay informed with these radio show topics, you want to see about joining a Catch Fire online inspiration accountability or mastermind community, you want information on the purpose-driven leadership programs for individuals or companies offered on-site or via webcast, or you want to see about having me speak for your company or conference. At any event, I'm glad we're connected, and thank you for listening. Now, on to this week's program. With us today is Jonathan Herskovitz. He is Herskovitz, excuse me. He is the founder and CEO of SVOC Business Growth Advisors. It's a consultancy that helps its clients grow their businesses by gaining an understanding of their strategy, vision, operations, and culture. Prior to, to founding this organization, he was the president of iMart Express for 22 years and also the interim COO for CityVet, a multi-unit vet, veterinary chain in Dallas. Today, we'll be talking about why and how to scale and grow a business, how to leverage culture to grow a business, and how strong and poor leadership reflects in the operations of a business. Jonathan, welcome to Working on Purpose. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, honored to be here. Well, let's kick off with one of my favorite subjects, and that's energy, if we can, Jonathan. So, you know, I just, I marvel at how we met. Literally, it was just a momentary exchange in an elevator. I was finishing a, a, a talk that I was giving in a, in a building in downtown Dallas. You were on your way out, and we were both heading for the elevator, and we literally had just a short exchange. But just in that time period, enough to figure out we both wanted to know about each other's professional world. So, right? Isn't that amazing? It, it totally is. And so, you know, it goes back to, I think, the purpose of your show. And it, we had chemistry. And uh, I'm a huge guy on chemistry and fit. And I use a lot of that to uh, hire people in order to scale and grow. And so, you know, if you and I weren't on this radio uh, show uh, and we've met, you know, off of it, we're going to be working together because we have a connection. We have a chemistry, and that's where it starts. 
It does. And I want what I want to recognize and appreciate and applaud and really call out to our listeners is, you know, we both had the good sense to lean into that, right? Um, we made sure that each of us had our business card and we followed up and we had lunch and talked about this and here we are. And there's kismet in that. And I just really want to celebrate that. And yes, we definitely had chemistry and here we are. And when you told me what you, what you were up to in life, I thought that would really make for a great conversation on working on purpose because I think there's so much of what you do that has an intentionality that lets people's purpose really come more alive in what they do through through their work. So I wanted to talk about three things on the show, Jonathan, scaling and growing the company, culture and leadership. So, but before we do that, I it probably would help our, our listeners for them to understand a bit more of your background and just how it is that you got into this space and what it is that you bring. So can you briefly sketch your, your, your long background for us? Uh, I will. I happen to have an opportunity to be the president of the business school back when I was in college and Pearl Vision, which is a national optical chain, someone I knew who had graduated put a letter in there that said, come visit uh, and, and interview with Pearl. And I was going to set the world on fire. Why, why would I sell glasses? It made no sense to me, but I still went and took the interview and uh, was with Pearl Vision for about two or three years. And uh, with all due respect to Pearl, uh, they did teach me everything not to do in business during the years that I was there. And I took that knowledge and through my networking and uh, chemistry with people that I met at Pearl, they told me to go ahead and talk to their uh, head operator who had started a company for a uh, doctor uh, who resides in Dallas. Uh, It was an optical chain. And I met with this gentleman and we talked for three hours. There was, again, I'm going back to chemistry and he really said back then, I don't know what you're going to do for us, but you want to work here. And at the time I said, I need to eat. I said, absolutely. Now to make it very brief, unfortunately, the gentleman that did hire me, who was the uh, operator of the company suddenly passed away in 13 weeks. And the owner of the company, Dr. Barnes came in and said, you know, Let's see where this goes. And it went for me another 22 year, another 21 years. I was at the company 22 years. Uh, and through that process, um, I always fired myself. I, I wanted to achieve. Um, I wanted to, to make my name in business. I wanted to motivate, affect people. And so uh, I was given the opportunity to be in advertising and marketing. And then I hired my replacement. And then I went into real estate, hired my replacement, operations, and then finally uh, president for my last five years. Ultimately, I was part of a team that helped scale and grow um, an optical chain to 168 units, which made it the eighth largest in the United States. And uh, subsequently, the valuations in the optical business Uh, got very frothy in 2013 and the owner, Dr. Barnes, decided to sell. And in that transition, I went ahead and resigned and started um, focusing my attention on using that same exact experience, surrounding myself with best-in-class people uh, to create a culture. And I'm now uh, the founder of SVOC, Strategy, Vision, Operations, and Culture, uh, Business Growth Advisors, and we provide operational expertise and capital for companies to scale and grow. 
Awesome. 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 I know that's a, a whole lot to summarize in just a few short <laughs> sentences. So thank you for that. That was great. Okay. So yeah. let's get into the whole scaling and, and growing. But before we get into that, let's get a, a common language here. Some of the people listening to the show maybe haven't really heard a lot of that language. So first, what do you mean by scaling and growing? You know, scaling to me means um, growing uh, the business, um, growing more units, um, more eye care centers, more um, pet centers, vet centers. And the growing part to me is really about the people process and the infrastructure uh, that ultimately leads into, you know, profits, cash flow, and valuation. So it's um, growing the business and growing the people within it. Okay. And what are some of the reasons that an organization might want to scale and grow? And if I just step back for a second, I think about what I'm doing, my own operation, obviously, I want to, I want to matter to more people across the globe. So that would be a big reason, a big drive for me to want to scale and grow. But what for other organizations, why would they want to scale and grow? Well, you know, um, I once heard Ray Kroc, uh, a quote that he had said, and Ray Kroc was the founder of McDonald's, and he said, if you're not growing, you're dying. And so a lot of organizations, um, I feel founders, entrepreneurs are geniuses. And everybody wants to accumulate wealth. They want to um, change people's lives and the products or their services that they offer. And a lot of organizations, they want to grow, but they only can grow so much. Uh, And in order to go to the next stages, um, they've got to be able to be accepting of change. But to really answer your question, a lot of organizations want to scale and grow because they, like you, want to, um, they want the world uh, to see what they're doing or what they're offering. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No question about it, right? Um, and you know, it's interesting. I go back to what you said about uh, if you're not if you're not growing, you're probably dying. And I just immediately got present to a couple of people that I've had the 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 chance to speak with lately who are very much in that place. They were running and gunning for many many years, and all of a sudden they're like almost in free fall. And um, and I don't know if that's you know really just we stopped putting you know, pressure on the gas pedal or, or what, but what are some of the things that companies do wrong when they try to scale and grow? Well, a lot of times, you know, companies, they get over their, they get over their skis. And so growing for the sake of growth is not healthy. You have to make sure that your structure, your infrastructure, your people um, are ready to take on growth because to me, whether you grow from some, uh, whether it's a revenue number or a store count number, it's a percentage. So if you have a thousand stores and you add a hundred, it's 10%. Well, if you have 10 stores and add one, it's one store, it's still 10%. It's still an exponential growth experience for both companies. And so a lot of times, most of the times, uh, my clients, like I said, get out over their skis they just want to grow, uh, and then they play catch up. I always say it's the um, it's the snake that swallowed the rabbit, and so it's being able to digest that growth, and then um, you know after that uh, move forward. And so I hope that answered your question. And yeah, but, oh, let, oh, I'm ahead. sorry, but but some of the things they do wrong is they just they say, okay, we've been so successful, surely we can 
grow the company 20 and 30%. But a lot of times that 20 or 30% takes a different organization, uh, structure, uh, training. Sometimes the, the people within the organization, um, a lot of the listeners might not have heard this, but they reach the Peter principle, which is we're as good as our, uh, the last job we have. We almost, um, the company outgrows us. And so that happens with a lot of organizations. And the key to not having that happen is just keep training your people. Mm-hmm. Just really quick, just on the on the topic of doing things maybe not the best way, I, I, I think about this and wonder if this really does happen or how often this happens where um, you hear it, you see it on, you know, TV shows or the movies where you know, they some kind of crazy marketing uh, scheme actually works and all of a sudden they're flooded with orders and they can't actually process them. Just how often does that happen? It happens. I just got a call the other day. And uh, the entrepreneur uh, said, yeah, sure, we can do that contract. And then, you know, walked away and said, oh, my gosh, (laughs) how am I going to make that happen? What have I done? And and I'll give you a real world uh, experience so everyone can relate to it. But uh, there was this speaker I heard once, and she's brilliant. She was with uh, school with uh, Zuckerberger, and she created a paper. And this paper, when you put in the refrigerator next to vegetables, makes your vegetables last longer. Well, long story short, she sold it on the streets and the farmer's markets and then got in front of Whole Foods. And Whole Foods said, we'd love to to work with you. How about like the southwestern region? And she said, absolutely. (laughs) And so her and her large company of two other people sat in their home, in her apartment for like 72 hours making the paper. And she delivered it. I think it was in her um, Toyota Celica. And uh, it was to the roof of the car. So um, that's a success story. Uh, Unfortunately, some people get uh, orders that they that they can't process, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, and then they burn the reputation and the, and the client relationship, et cetera. So, yeah. Okay, so then on the other side of that then, um, help us get present to some best practices or considerations when we do want to scale and grow. How do we do it right? Well, you know, it's kind of what we've been talking about, and I'm going to start off with what I think is the most important thing, and it's people, people, people. And so you give me a team and we'll figure it out uh, some way. Uh, But, you know, you've got to have your people that are adaptable, uh, that can go with change, uh, hardworking. Um, You know, you got to make sure your culture sound, which I know you're all about, um, be able to exchange ideas. And so, you know, you got to make sure that you're, if you have a large enough company, whether it's your HR, your finance, your operations, your product development, that it's what I say, like a car, whether you got a four, six or eight cylinder, that all the cylinders are humming. And um, so best practices are people, operations, which is processes. Um, that's really it. Okay. And of course yeah. your product. We're, so the product we're saying just, for clarification, we're saying whatever you're selling works and you've got, you know, of course it may or may not, but you know, you've got a product that sells, you've got distribution, um, you've got that you can create it. So all those things have to work in order for, uh, the organization to work. 
Yeah, and I can certainly envision, like I just have it, have it in my mind that I can imagine, you know, we've got all these great processes, the sales are out there humming, the salespeople are just killing it and they bring it in all kinds of orders, but maybe part of the, the, the process or the software that accepts those orders is really slow or really clunky and, you know, it takes three days to spit out an order that maybe they needed to spit it out in, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. I can so imagine those different places in, in along the, the chain that if they're not in sync would totally upset the cart. Well, like, yeah, like you said, that goes with anything. I mean, you open up a hospital, a medical clinic, a vet clinic, um, an optical retail, uh, you go online. I mean, if you go online <laughs> and all of a sudden your orders start dinging and dinging and dinging, uh, it could be the start of something very, very beautiful, or it could be the end of something very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. But no one's perfect, and the reality of it is your systems will not be up to par. Your product will not always have, you'll have enough inventory. It's just making sure that you got people that can adapt, change, and... Um, if you do get a lot of those uh, that business, you're you're able to service it the best you can. You know, I just re- I just got present and reminded myself of something, Jonathan. I remember years ago I met these two really successful ladies here in Dallas, where I live, um, and I forget what kind of business they had, but it was just the two of them that ran it. And I said something about how they got business, and they looked at me strangely, and they said, "Oh my gosh, you have no idea. We cringe when the phone rings. We're afraid people, more people, are going to call us. We can't <laughs> handle any more business." And I remember thinking to myself, "What a problem to have!" But now I really recognize through this conversational lens that they they were certainly not able to scale. And now I understand that, you know, it makes, I see that now and it, it just, you're bringing it right back for me. Yeah, and you know, um, that word cringe, I understand it. Uh, to me, it's a challenge. Um, you know, when you cringe, you're, you're that, that response might be, um, we might actually tank this thing. To me, it's exciting. Uh, we're going to push ourselves uh, further than we've ever pushed ourselves. And to me, that's where you rally the team and say, yeah, we're inundated at the door, online, with the phone. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that problem, too. And, and on that high note, let's grab our first break, Jonathan. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We don't have John Herskovich of SV, SVOC Business Growth Advisors. He joins us today from Dallas. We've been talking about how to scale and grow a company. After the break, we're going to get into, the, into culture and its effect on top line and bottom line results. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at elisecortez.com. 
Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Jonathan Herskovich of SVOC Business Growth Advisors. Prior to founding this organization, he was the president of iMart Express for 22 years and the interim COO for CityVet, a multi-unit veterinary chain in Dallas. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So our, our next subject that I wanted to talk about here and, and just extract what I can from that mind of yours, Jonathan, is culture. It's such an important part of, of, of business and an organization and so wildly misunderstood and I think mis, misutilized, under leveraged for sure. Um, so when I think about culture, in fact, I'm doing some work right now with an organization today here in Dallas on culture, um, you know, thinking about it, it's really like the heartbeat of the organization. And I, I've heard it said many times, and I tend to agree that it eats strategy for breakfast. So why do you think so many companies don't understand their organization's culture or they can't articulate it? What's up with that? I think a lot of organizations complicate it. They, re- they really complicate it. They, they try to analyze it and overanalyze it. And to me, it's just all about the spirit of the golden rule. It's just respect. It's about respecting people. It's about trust, communication, being honest and open, doing your best, making mistakes. But correcting those mistakes and don't doing them again and don't do them again. Um, I just think a lot of organizations try to make it lofty uh, when to me culture is just about a bunch of ordinary people getting together to do extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. Well, where it gets interesting, and even like I said, that the project I'm working on right now is is it, the reason we're working on culture. There is a reason. There wouldn't be spending money if the, if there wasn't something to do with this. But first, why do you think it's just so important in terms of the organization's health and sustainability to address or manage culture? Well, to me, culture um, it translates into the health uh, of the organization in the sense that it does increase uh, top-line efficiencies, bottom-line cash flow and valuation because culture, you have to have a um, positive culture um, and you'll always outdo your competitor if you do. And I've actually seen that in multi-unit organizations where I can look at the data where you should be able to look at the data and really the businesses within the portfolio that are outperform the others, they usually the ones who are executing uh, the culture that the organization is defined. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners who maybe are listening to this going, gosh, this sounds really squishy, <clears throat> I want to just share a little bit about my perspective on, on culture and, when, and add to what we've been talking about here in that, uh, you know, culture is really like the, the unwritten 
set of rules and regulations that happen or govern an organization, right? They're the, it's really what people have learned to do and say and believe in order to be rewarded and to keep their jobs. I mean, that's really what, in my mind, what culture is. So the opportunity is to really get really clear about what is the what what culture are we operating in? In other words, bringing it to a conscious level where you you can start to say, oh, okay, so you know, if we start to notice that people aren't speaking up in meetings because they're worried that that's going to get them fired. Is that something that we really want to continue? It's part of our culture, but is it working for us? Um, so, you know, those are the kind of things that I find really interesting when I'm working on culture with organizations to just like everything else in life, right? Bringing it to a conscious level so you can intervene and in change it or redirect it if you want to. So to that end, Jonathan, I was so intrigued when you talked about part of what you do is to help increase top line growth through culture. What do you mean by that and how do you do that? Well, you know, to me, a culture is engagement. And so if you just look at Chick-fil-A or you look at Starbucks, I mean, those are pretty successful companies and they just sell chicken and they just sell coffee. (laughs) And so, um, you know, you can feel it when you go into these organizations, when you go into Starbucks or when you go into Chick-fil-A, you can feel it. And when people are engaged and happy and know where they fit in the culture and that they know what behaviors that uh, the culture is about, that translates to the consumer, whether you're selling a product, a service, healthcare. um, It truly, to me, is the the differentiator. And I want to share a story with you. I was with a very, very large equity firm in the country, which I will not name, and uh, we had an incredible culture and an incredible uh, profit percentage, and the person said to me, how was your profit percentage larger than other companies that we're familiar with? And I got real quiet, and I thought about it not too long, and I said, because of the people and the culture. And... there was a little disconnect in the room. And so what happens is when you have engaged people surrounding a culture, promoting a culture, that translates to the consumer and that consumer shares their experience with other people and it brings more business to you. It directly um, affects your bottom line, top line. I totally see that, and I, I certainly am uh, a, f- a frequenter of, of Starbucks, occasionally at Chick-fil-A, and you're right, you, when you walk in, you know that you're connected and part of something, you're like drawn in, if you will, and I, I completely appreciate that, and yes, it does translate, I keep going back. Um, I mean, I can tell you that for me, just every time I go into a Starbucks, I feel like they, they, they actually really do want to know, well, what's your name, how do you spell that? Who cares? Just give me my coffee. No, wait, how do you spell your name? Right? It matters. And so I, I get that translation. And it, it does it does show up. And you what I what I find infinitely fascinating and and frankly delightful because I get to affect it with my work is how we we can address that and improve it. Um, so can you give us a, a story of, of maybe of how you've worked with an organization and you've helped them with their culture, how it's made a difference and obviously keep them, keep them anonymous. We don't want to, we don't want to give away their identity, but tell us another story. 
Yeah, so I went into an organization, and so, um, you know, if you had a triangle where the, the, the point is at the top, um, a lot of organizations, that's where your management is, your CEO and, and department heads, and then everybody else is at the bottom. Well, to me, I went into an organization and I flipped that triangle. And the home office is really, or the corporate office is really just a call center for the field. And in doing so, we created a, um, a servient leadership culture where the people that were actually on the front lines, they got the, de- they got the title of CEO or president or department head mm. because truly they are what matters. And when I built and I, and I took them through that process of changing their culture, it resulted in close to a 10% uh, comp comparative revenue increase from the year prior. That's awesome. And can I, I can only imagine the difference in those frontline people. The before and after must have been incredible. Can you presence a little bit for us what it was like for the yeah. before and after? Yeah, I think that's a, that's an incredible question. And truly, to me, the heart of leadership, the heart of culture right now is that people want to know where they fit. They, you know, 30 years ago, you could walk into a company 20 years ago, and it's just like, I need you to do this. Will you do it? And people go, yeah. Now, people want to know why. They want to know, why are we doing what we're doing? Who is it affecting? And how am I a part because we're part of a community now. We're, we're a team, we're a community. And it really elevated their purpose, their mission, and their focus on the, the, the customer uh, that was receiving their service or their product. I got that. I can just so see it. And because I do enough of that work myself, and it's just, you know, what a difference it makes to come to work with the why in your sales, right? I mean, it is just, it really makes all the difference in the world. And then to be supported by leadership who says, hey, let me see what I can clear out of your way so you can be more successful. You can do more and feel more fulfilled in your work. I mean, and and in terms of that servant kind of a leadership model, what an incredible flip that must have been. What I find fascinating in your story, Jonathan, is how in the world that you convinced these people to accept this huge move. That's a, that's a radical change for them. That's a great question, uh, or that's a great statement. And I guess it, um, I would say it, it, it has to do with telling my story and being able to experience building uh, one of the largest optical chains in the United States based on those principles. And that's what I do now. I share my, the successes we had as well as failures so that companies can um, try these, these things out. There's no guarantees, but I'm pretty confident in them. Um, and it's a process. And everybody wants to do good. Nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to walk into Starbucks today where I work, and I'm going to make a really bad cup of coffee because that's what I do. (laughs) And so people want to do good, and as business owners or management leadership, make them feel good about doing it, and it, it translates through your whole organization. 
Yeah, no question about that. I totally get that. Well, then on the other side of that coin, again, I like to be able to get our listeners to be kind of get into this stuff and start trying it on for themselves. What are some of, some of the signs or symptoms maybe that an organization might have a problem with culture? What would what would be present for them? You know, it's a lot of it is in the way they speak to each other the body language they have, their communication or lack thereof, style of their emails or how they communicate. Um, You know, whether or not the organization is an open book, whether they keep things secretive, whether doors are being shut all the time. I'm an open door concept guy. Um, If they speak poorly about their customers, um, I've heard that. Everyone's just like, I can't believe these customers. And to me, it's, they're the only reason we're here. Mm-hmm. So I really promote never speaking poorly about a customer. They're the reason we exist. And then, you know, the other thing is if they complain about management, you know, we're all, like I get, again, no one walks in and says, you know, I work at Starbucks and I'm really going to poorly manage everyone today. We're all just people. And so some of those signs are just the complainers and, and just, it's, you can you can feel it in an organization. You can see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I would add one more thing to that. As I was listening to you talk, that I, for me is a is a prime indicator there's something wrong with culture, and that is if people are governed by fear. If they're afraid to speak up, they're afraid to tell the boss their new ideas. They're you know afraid they can't be honest about taking off a little bit of time from work. To me, that's a real problem, a real indication of a problem with culture. I have to share a story with you, if I may. Please. I have a client. They said, we can't accomplish these objectives. And I said, really? And they said, yeah. The only way we do it is we punish people. And I said, I've worked in communist China before. I've actually been over to China before, been by communists. <laughs> felt like. And I said, how would we be punishing these people? And so to your point, I agree with you. That's a culture when you have to use punish. Um, that's a culture that need to, needs to be worked on immediately before any scaling, before any growth. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I know exactly what, what you speak about and it resonates with me highly. Yeah, I'm sure there's a few listeners going, cringing to use our other word, going, I know exactly what you two are talking about. (laughs) I experience it. Um, Call us if that's the case, listeners. Um, All right, let's grab our last break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We were on the air with Jonathan Herskovich of SVOC Business Growth Advisors. He joins us today from Dallas, Texas. We've been talking a bit about the importance of culture and how it affects top line and bottom line results. After the break, we're going to get into leadership and how it shows up in an organization poorly and well. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. 
Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Jonathan Herskovich of SVOC, Business Growth Advisors. Prior to founding this organization, he was the president of iMart Express for 22 years and the interim COO of CityVet, a multi-unit veterinary chain in Dallas. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So for this last segment here, Jonathan, I wanted to get into uh, leadership. It's a big part of the work that I do around leadership development. And when we were speaking over lunch about what we wanted to talk about on the show, you said something that really intrigued me. And it was this idea that you said you could walk into an organization or stores and you could spot bad leadership. So let's start there. What do you see when there's bad leadership running an organization? What shows up for you? Well, I think it shows up for all of us. Let's take a restaurant, you know, or a retail store, or Dillard's. Uh, you walk in and you can just feel it, whether or not you're welcome or not. And that, to me, is a direct reflection on leadership, on the organization. And we've all been there. It's, it's like no one says hello to you. Um, one time I ran through a mall in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I don't know, 60 stores, and only one store greeted me when I walked in. And that truly is a direct relationship of an organization. And um, I always say you can just feel it. And it, it, even when I go to clients, whether they're in corporate, in corporate buildings and buildings and offices, you just can feel it when you walk in, whether or not uh, you're welcome. And believe it or not, that to me is a direct reflection of the entire leadership of an organization. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on the granule level, of course, it's whether, you know, it's how they're greeting customers, whether they're dressed well, whether the place is well lit, whether it's dust free, it's all related to leadership. Because if you have great leaders, inspirational ones, then you have great people that can execute their, uh, their strategy as well as their culture. Ooh, I also thought of another really prime indicator of what has to be bad leadership, and that is you literally walk into a place of business, a restaurant or whatever, and the, the people that are there to help you don't give you the time of day. They, they, they're talking amongst themselves, and then they lollygag finally over to you because, you know, they can't be bothered. I think that's got to be another terrific example of really bad leadership to allow that to happen for the, for the course of, of the day or how business is actually done. Totally agree with you. That's where it starts. Yes. Yeah. Um, Well, another thing that you said that I thought was interesting, and a guy that spent as much years as you have in terms of operations, I can only imagine you've you've honed this skill. But you also said that you can walk into a store and you can actually spot theft happening. So, what does that look like? Well, that's funny. You 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 you, great memory, and so um, I wasn't really able to spot it. But it was it was a we had grown the company significantly. 50 stores in two years. Uh, that's exponential. That's the, uh, that's the snake swallowing the rabbit. And so some of the stores weren't performing. So I put on my pair of blue jeans and headed out and showed up uh, where when you open up 50 stores, I couldn't personally be at each one, which I normally do to open them up and greet everybody, all the associates and first day customers. And so I went into a store and you could just feel it immediately. I mean, it was ice cold in there. People were whispering. It was like I wasn't even there. And then I walked and then a woman walked out very briskly. And I followed her and I said, ma'am, ma'am, my name is Jonathan Hershkowitz. I'm the president of this company. And 
what's everyone whispering around about? She said, sir, I work at Fry's and I'm telling you, you've got theft in this store. And so she was right. The store was doing poorly. There was massive theft. And um, so that was my, that was my theft story. But, you know, on a, on a higher level note, you can see theft in, in, in sales numbers. Um, it goes back to engagement. If your business is not doing well, there's a reason, whether it's, to me, it's operational, advertising, or theft. And so um, that, that's, what, that's what we were talking about at lunch. Okay. Well, I think that's extremely helpful. And, you know, unfortunately, right, I remember when my, when I was growing up in the restaurant business, my parents had a very successful restaurant and, you know, it was something that they had to deal with. They had to, they had to be vigilant about that and monitor that and, you know, be on the lookout for it. And, and unfortunately, and so it's out there. And, and so, you know, to me, having really good, back to your point earlier about good, strong systems and operational procedures in place to prevent that, the checks and balances or whatever it might be, uh, you know, so, so important for healthy business. Uh, absolutely. Uh, theft is just a cost of business. And um, where a lot of my clients will get hung up. Yeah, you need to get hung up if it's a high percentage, but it's just the cost of doing business. It's just, you always have to set up your systems and processes, but there's always going to be someone trying to break them and they will. Uh, like I said, it's, if you want to start a business, you just have to figure out how to minimize that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's Without a very... Assessing. Yeah, I think that's an extremely healthy perspective to give us, Jonathan, that theft is a, you know, is it is a part of doing business, the cost of doing business? Because uh, I think for some people, it's probably very demoralizing to know that, you know, people are taking advantage or, you know, stealing something. Um, I am I'm reminded years ago, Jonathan, this just came to me. I remember when I was living in Seattle, Washington, and I, my first foray into the human capital industry was I was um, an IT um, staffing consultant. I was an account manager selling the staffing services. And so part of my job was to interface with the, the clients who hired us, like the Boeings, the AT&Ts, et cetera, of the world, and then interface with some of the consultants that we, we brought on. And one consultant was in an interview with Boeing at the time, I remember. And I don't know if he just figured, what the heck, I've blown this interview, I'm not going to get the job, or he really was being sincere. But the interviewer said, is there anything else we should know about you? And he sat quietly for a second and thought about it. And he said, yes, I think I've finally gotten over my problem with stealing. I've gotten over taking things home from from the office, you know, the staplers, the extra pencils and, you know, the equipment. I think I've gotten past that. At which point we all just bolted out of our chairs and like, okay, we got to go. But it was, you know, it was arresting in that he was so matter of fact about it. At that that's a that's unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to share a quick story with you. So Please, you know, yeah. I said it was a cost of bi- it was a cost of business, but when someone did steal, uh, we prosecuted, and um, we don't have time for your show, but uh, in your show, but I've actually showed up in a courtroom uh, where someone stole a significant amount of money and uh, can, got them convicted as a felon when they were looking to just get off with a slap on the wrist. And that sent a message to the company, if you do steal, we will prosecute you the furthest that we can. So, um, though it's a cost of business, part of the culture is 
don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think how an organization handles it, um, this is not the, the specific direct topic that you and I are talking about. I'll, I'll share another yeah. perspective, another story. Um, when my daughter, who's now 16, was very young, and I, I want to say she was probably, oh, a year and a half, maybe two years um, she had come back home from a shopping expedition with her nanny at the time. And my, the nanny came to me and said, oh, my gosh, Elise, I don't know what to tell you how to say this, but she took a necklace from one of the retail stores. And I was mortified, Jonathan, mortified. And I gathered her, my daughter and the nanny and the three of us drove back to the retail store. I won't, I won't say who it was, although I think they handled it extremely well. I just don't want to say it in case they don't like the way that I say it. But So I marched into the realtor, retail store and, and asked to speak to the manager. And I think they must have thought, you know, something horrible has happened to us. Maybe, you know, we were attacked in the restroom or something. And easily 20 minutes went by and we were standing there waiting and waiting. And finally, this young manager came out. He said, um, can I help you with something? And I said, well, something terrible has happened. And by the way, all the while, all the while we're driving to this thing, I'm telling my daughter about going to jail and she's going to go to you know prison. And you know, I'm t- I mean I'm laying it on her. And um, so I tell her, I say, look, my daughter, you know, here she is. She took this necklace and I take it out of my hand and I and I put it in his. And you could just see his shoulders relax. And he said, I don't know what to say. He said, this never happens. People don't bring back things that they've taken successfully. (laughs) And I said, well, he said, what can I do for you? And I said, "Um, well, I I certainly don't want to reward her by giving her the necklace. So I don't want that. He said, well, why don't you, if you ever want anything from us, just come back and see me and we'll talk about it. And it was such a great example of how being real and honest and coming forth opened the conversation and really helped you know, me give a lesson to my daughter and really show the best in this organization and this manager. So I think the way this stuff gets handled is also really, really important. Yes. <laughs> um, to my knowledge, my daughter's never taken anything else since, so maybe it did work. Um, <laughs> so um, we, we've got just a couple minutes left here, Jonathan, here. Is there, is there a I want to give you a chance to be able to say what you want in closing, but regarding leadership, is there anything else that you think is important to surface in this conversation about leadership? Uh, you know, it leadership is what either makes or breaks you. Um, you know, working with my clients, as you have seen working with yours, I feel they're all geniuses and they create either a service a value proposition, a product, um, and it's rallying the people around those items, the mission, and explaining how they're a part of it, and then inspiring them to do things that people never thought that they could. And so, to me, businesses are no different than football teams or basketball teams or really any sports teams. They're all very, very good. But the ones that really make it to the Super Bowl or the playoffs are the ones that exhibit the high level of chemistry and culture. And then they outperform uh, the rest of the pack. And it's, uh, it's, it boils down to the, the leadership and the leadership executing and demonstrating the culture. It really, really does. And that's from the heart. And I've seen it. And I've seen it benchmarked on successful companies and unsuccessful companies. 
There was so much you said in there. Just let, I want to call it a couple of things. I like what you talked about. The inspirational piece is really important. I, I really believe that so much of leadership is being somebody people want to follow. And so the inspiration piece is huge. And then the other piece that I really liked what you said there that I want to personally echo is is being able to create a vision and 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 be able to help people see that they can that they can do more than they think they can. You lead them to that place. I think that was a beautiful point, Jonathan. Well, and I think it's important because you don't have to have a Harvard and no, you know, I love education, higher education, but you don't have to. Oh, you don't have to be the genius or the smart one. Um, it takes hardworking, determination, uh, guts. Uh, tenacity, persistence, um, and so uh, it's just I have great admiration for people who have built companies of all sizes. And uh, I just spent an hour with some representatives uh, from Sewell Lexus, uh, Sewell being one of the top customer service uh, automobile providers in the United States and studied, and uh, the time he spent with us uh, in the that he shared with us, their culture was just phenomenal. And it started in 1911. And that mm. same culture that they had in 1911, they still have today. It's like 108 years. Mm, that's so great. Something to celebrate. So we're, we're coming out of time here, Jonathan. So in, say, 15 to 20 seconds, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? You know, uh, if you're listening to the show and you are in an organization or growing an organization, um, just, you know, watching it grow and being a part of it is probably one of the greatest experiences you can have in life. And uh, I have such admiration for people who come together and uh, change the world, provide products, um, create incomes for families. And so um, my, my admiration is to all the clients I've worked with and the opportunities I've had and the opportunity to be on this show to share with everyone my experience. And so um, keep building those great cultures and your company will grow right along with it. I guarantee it. Beautiful, Jonathan. Great Thank way to you finish. So much. Thank you Thank so much. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me and sharing your heart and soul with us. Thank you. It's beautiful. I love it. And listeners, if you want to learn more about Jonathan Herskovitz and the work he and his team are doing at SVOC Business Growth Advisors, go to their site. It's svocgrowth.com. Last week, if you missed the show live, you can always catch a re-recorded podcast. We were on the air with Bacha Yaniger of the Victor Frankl Logotherapy Institute in Israel. We talked about just what that word means and how it's being used to help people create more meaningful lives inside and outside of work. Fantastic, very uh, interesting, insightful conversation. Next week, we'll be on the air with author and the purpose expert, Karen Hoyos, who wrote the book Purpose, The Ultimate Quest. We'll talk about her book and the work she does helping people discover and grow their purpose. See you there. Remember that work is at least one third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.